position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! This is KTIT, KTIT, playing the breast are the best tunes in town. Attention, all Linux users, crack engineer, Ivor Molina, God among men, master of audio wizardry and the greatest engineer and program director in the entire history of over-the-air broadcasting via the wireless, and now, internet radio welcomes you to this. Fully operational four-year anniversary episode. Please for you to now enjoy a retrospective tribute to the greatest, and most well-liked, and universally adored, personality to grace the very waves of sound and sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you four years of introduction segments from A Great Humanitarian A Great Entertainer and my dearest friend for the last 2,406.4 years, Scooky Sprite. Presented in sequential procession from oldest to now. Good day, Captain. Your ship's computer is now ready. Please wait while I initialize systems. Sea-Dragon! Ivor, cue the music! 
So, right then, we shall begin. Hello and welcome to uh, Saturday. Our Gentry Gym, Belgium, December 1944. Happy Peace Friends, it is Saturday, of course, uh, January. Hello, ladies and germs. It's time once again on another people of Earth. Welcome to episode 12. Um, yeah, that's what this uh, podcast is about. The best games Hello, that are... Welcome to another exciting episode of the Best Links Games Podcast. This is episode... The Germs, uh, welcome to episode 16. 16, episode, episode number 20, the big 2-0 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, Best Linux Games Podcast, episode 21. Hello, my friends. Welcome to a kind of later than usual edition Hello, of... Hello, it's Saturday. Welcome. Episode 25 of the best podcast. Did you know that every mouthwash, every antiseptic. Hello, special friends and neighbors. This is. Well, hello, hello, special friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode 32 of the best of the podcast. Welcome to uh, episode 37 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number 42 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Episode number 43, the reboot of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 59 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. This is being recorded. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number 60. Holy sh. Hello and welcome to episode number 66 of the Hello, Best Links Games Welcome to episode number 67, take two evidently of the... Hello and welcome to episode number 70 of the Best Links Games Podcast being recorded for you. I will have you all destroy the enemy portion of this audience. Hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the Best Links Games Podcast being recorded for Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to... Uh, Episode number 77 of the... Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the best oh, Linux Games Podcast. to episode 82 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Uh, hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode 86 hello, welcome to episode 88 of the best Linux hello, Games Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 90 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Hello and welcome, welcome to episode 92. It's 92, right, Ivor? Hello, no, ladies and gentlemen. Friends and neighbors, assorted strangers, diploma and welcome to episode 99, oh my god, of the best Linux Hello games podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the best Hello, Linux games podcast. Hello 104 of Hello, the best Linux podcast. Episode number 106, wow, Hello, of the Welcome to another exciting episode of the best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, and welcome podcast. to episode 222 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 143 of the best Linux Games Podcast. President Nixon Hello, was and welcome to episode number 154 7 of the Best Linux Games Podcast being recorded for you on a lot of dead cells 
Which is fucking the fantastic. 160 of the best Linux games podcast. Episode number 161. Never spoke another exciting episode of the best Linux games podcast. Number 160. Fuck, what is this? 160. Episode 164. Right? Everyone? Oh, we've the- gone crazy! Welcome to episode number 167 of the best Linux games Hello, podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 168. Hello, the- and welcome to episode number 169 of 70 of the best Linux games podcast. So, number 171 of the best Linux games podcast. 172 of the best Linux games podcast being recorded for you. Welcome to another exciting episode of the best Linux games podcast. 74 of the best Linux games podcast. Friends and another exciting episode of the best Linux games podcast. Episode number 176 from Episode number 177 of the best Linux 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 Hunts, it is I. I'm sorry, I mean, hello, friends and neighbors, it is I. Welcome to episode number 189. Episode number 100 of the best. Whoa, 190. Cut me off! It is I. Episode number 192. Of the best. Number 193 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Episode number 194 of the best Linux Games Podcast. 195. Episode number 196 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Episode number 197 of the best Linux Games Podcast. Episode number one ninety-eight of the number one hundred ninety-nine of the best Linux games episode podcast. number two hundred and one of the best number two hundred and two of the best Linux games podcast. Number two hundred and four of the best Linux games podcast. Number two hundred and five of the best Linux games podcast. Number two hundred and seven of the best Linux games podcast. Number two Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode, yes, number 209 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this Saturday, uh, the 28th of October. Happy four-year fucking anniversary, everybody. Uh, 2018. Uh, crack engineer Ivor Molina over there uh, in, the, in the booth holding up the whiskey sign. We have fucking busted our balls. Oh, by the way, you're fired, Ivor. To bring you... Well, Ivor busted his balls to bring you the f- previous madness instead of us having to go through and fucking listen to all fucking 208 episodes. We missed one goddamn week. Anyway, uh, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, for our sequel friends, that would make it uh, 2018, 10, 27, uh, at... Uh, uh, seven seven o'clock p.m. Pacific Coast time. Uh, the coast of the most the left coast. Oh my God! Happy four year anniversary, everybody. Um, and thank you, Ivor. That was a fitting, uh, last thing, last contribution to this show. That was quite the touching mashup. It was, uh, I mean, for me, just hearing all of those weren't every single, um. Uh, introduction, uh, the verbal introduction that comes uh, post the bumper, uh, 
you know, like the intro and everything. Um, that wasn't all of them. That wasn't all 208 of them. But it was a hefty fucking portion. Um, wow. And hearing them all like that, just layered on top of each other. I mean, for me, I don't know. I got, I got, I got, I have to admit, I, uh, you know, uh, I got some, I got some fucking, I had a wow moment there. Kind of makes you, uh, uh, it puts everything in a weird sort of perspective. Anyway, we have nothing of the normal show for you this week. We have one feature. It is a long, glorious discourse about Proton and the way forward for uh, Linux gaming via Steam. We'll be back with uh, next week with our review of uh, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, along with, actually, we I have so many reviews that we are prepped, primed, and ready to hit you with. So next week's episode is going to be a big fucking episode. But for right now, it's four fucking years, motherfuckers. Ten years? Uh, you can't pull that, Ivor? Okay, fine. Ivor, you are fucking worse than useless as per usual. But I love you, Ivor. I love you. But no, you're still fired. Ivor is holding up the whiskey sign, so cheers. Thank you, especially to you, the listeners. Um, and to the greater FOSS community, uh, we'll get, well, you know, I'll thank you more in, in, in our feature, but, um, really, I mean, uh, wow. Have we seen this industry change? The, you know, game industry in terms of Linux from four years ago. Uh, wowzers. Just fucking wowzers. And so I thought it was, it was a fitting time to really talk about Proton, to have some, you know, real talk, real talk, you know, we don't eat what they shit, real talk, you know, um, (laughs) I'm I'm a little punchy, I'm a little delirious, I've spent more time working on this fucking episode of this fucking show than even the most extreme uh, sale episodes, which used to take literally... Um, some of the some of the worst ones from like three years ago used to take over thirty hours. I, I mean, seriously, not of like playing games, but of literally just putting together the show notes. Um, this episode has taken over through over four days now. That is, it's it's pretty astonishing. I hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, so cheers. Let's get let's get to it. We got we got ground to cover, and uh, I you know um, hope you enjoyed the sing 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 uh, mashup of two hundred and eight episodes, almost almost all of them. There were some that were omitted. Um, wow. All right, so I were bi- oh first cheers to you, my friends. And also, cheers to the FOSS itself. May the FOSS be with you always. Mm. Based him with it, Ivor, we got miles to go before we sleep. Oh my god.
It's Bolivians! Bolivians! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's teacher. I can't read you. I can't read you and I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. Dear friends and neighbors of the greater Linux Foss community, no one really knows, or if they do, I'm not counted among them, when we started this podcast. The exact date of its first episode has mercifully been lost to accidents of record-keeping data upheaval and the stolid assuredness that we'd not still be here four years later, still talking about the best games available for the GNU slash Linux operating system, which you and I and all of us know and nerve so dearly. <clears throat> Personally, actually, I blame Ivor, who is, yes, now fired for his lack of vision. Pack your shit, lackey. Hit the fucking bricks. But I digress. What I do know is that over the last four years, we have only ever not produced an episode for, the, for that week. We've only missed one week, one single time. Mere months after starting the Best Links Games podcast, midway through October uh, of that year, four years ago, we decided that we could take one of the major holiday weekends off that was forthcoming. Though which one, I can't remember. It seemed the same. It seemed the only sane thing to do because after all, it was just a podcast devoted to Linux gaming. Produced by a former journalist, gaming poet, boozaddle maniac, along with his trusty yet eminently disposable sidekick and crack engineer, Ivor Molina, who's now been fired. Considering these factors, I personally gave the show one shot in five of lasting longer than 16 episodes. As usual, I was totally wrong. While we can't recall the actual date of our debut, we can do the math. 52 weeks a year multiplied by four years equals 208 episodes. Aha! I take one kadam away for the Hebrew god whose ark this is. Meaning, Add the single missed week to that number of episodes, and you get 209. Yes. They're digging in the wrong place! That means that this is mathematically, and irrefutably so, our four-year anniversary episode. 209. It's a number that seriously feels unreal. Consider that this means that an average of around, you know, like 45 minutes an episode, you could literally put on a place playlist of all of our episodes, whole, all of them, and play them all back-to-back, day and night, for six days. Six solid fucking 24-hour-long periods. Please, gentle listeners, do not attempt this. It is ill-advised. But more than just the math of it all, the thing that makes it truly feel so momentous has been really my interactions with all of you over these four years. Um, It's been all about the listeners. Yes, you gaggle of wonderful freaked out maniacs! Some of whom have been here since the beginning starting to follow Maniac and his imaginary friend on his fucking boozed up, supercharged, psychotic kaleidoscopic travail through all things new and noteworthy in the then fledgling and now suddenly booming universe of modern Linux gaming. Um, but I mean, really, ever since Valve decided to adopt Linux as the basis for SteamOS, it's it's been my pleasure, um, and privilege, and uh, just joy getting to know so many of you, maniacs along the way, and it's what's kept this show going week after week after week. I mean, I I've always said that I could do this show for one person 
which is basically what the way I envision doing this show when I'm recording it. I'm talking to you, one person, or to a million. It's not going to change the show because I'm still talking to you. And so it's been getting to know, uh, especially the last couple of years, so many of you and getting to, you know, interact with you and, 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 and hear and learn about your perspectives and stuff. Um, that's really kept the show going week after week after week. Every time I get, you know, every time there are some weeks, they're, they're rare, but there are weeks where I sit down to, to do the show and I'm like, I just don't want to do the fucking show. But it's you guys that keep me going. So in short, I blame you, the listener, for all of this. You are responsible for ruining the last four years of my life. No, I'm just kidding. More whiskey. For a podcast, you know, that targeted a specific niche audience numbering somewhere in the potentially dozens of interested listeners. That's been my greatest delight, especially over the last six months after starting the live stream, um, you know, through all of our fits and starts, coming to Twitch uh, and OBS uh, years after the entire Windows universe had moved on. Um, I mean, it had, you know, not moved on. It had uh, entirely, they got it first and they perfected it. And so we've had fits and starts and problems and technical difficulties with our Twitch stream, but that is really, that and our Discord um, channel have been so rewarding for me. Um, It's given me a tiny slice every week, well, actually every day, of uh, Linux, what I love most about Linux Fest, going to Linux Fest Northwest every year, you know, where you get to mingle with other people from your fucking planet, people who use Linux, people who are technically literate, who are smart, who are funny, who have questions, who have answers, um, and who are passionate about, uh, the, you know, the subject at hand, in this case, Linux, free and open source gaming, computational technology, computer science, um, Steam, Proton, everything in between. I always thought that radio, it's seriously, just by side and by extension, you know, podcasting, internet radio, etc., is always the most wonderful medium because it's not just the intimate theater of the mind, but it's a place where a voice from out of the dark, like right now, can seemingly speak to you directly. Like literally, I am talking to you. And, you know, in the words of one of my beloved heroes over the air radio, Alistair Cook, uh, famous for his letters from America and also famous for uh, the same week, I think it was the same week that um, oh shit I can't remember the details of this story but Alistair Cook's body uh, was his organs were harvested from a morgue the same week that like Ted Williams uh, had his head thrown around while people uh, did batting practice if they unfroze him but anyway Alistair Cook uh, once famously said uh, I think it was Alistair Cook I prefer radio to television because the pictures are better it's true but there's been nothing like these last six months getting to actually interact with you guys um my buddies out of nowhere, as Bukowski would say, over Twitch and Discord. Um, it's really been that, that major uh, these those two major uh, advancements over the last six months that uh, really have driven helped to drive home the awesomeness of really interacting directly with you guys instead of like you know via. Um, uh, Twitter direct messages, which is or email 
or you know comments or whatever like really having the discord and the twitch has been just so awesome because it's like we bond over games it's like games are the interstitial connecting tissue that um i met all kinds of people like even people who don't even run linux uh via the twitch stream it's like you're bonding over games it's like a maniac carnival it's like half linux half gameplay, some of it is about the individual, you know, titles that I, I'm playing or looking at, part part of it is history, historical connections and stuff, but, and part of, part of it is just me being drunk and insane and stoned, and I'm, part of it is personal memories and ranting at you about that and cultural references, etc, 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 it's all been really, it it's great to meet authentic people who are authentically brilliant and, you know, legitimately wonderful, Seriously, can't thank you enough. And if you haven't, uh, you know, joined us on our Twitch stream, we're always streaming, and uh, our Discord channel is always operative. Anyway, as the uh, old box cover copy on the ancient game Subspace, which has subsequently uh, been open sourced, this is an ancient game. It's like from the '90s. I played it when it first came out. Um, as it's an old box cover copy for that used to say, it was subsequently open sourced as Continuum. Um, and it's still playable today. Uh, Box used to say, meet people from all over the world and kill them. Truly, the internet has yet to reach the greatest zenith of its potential magic hours. You guys are proof of that. But I digress. I come to you on this four-year anniversary episode. It's crazy to say that. Um, with a message. With an approbation of doom. No, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> These last two months have seen a remarkable shift and rebalancing of economies, both intellectual uh, as well as financial when it comes to uh, GNU Linux operating system and especially in its relationship to principal benefactors in regard to gaming, that meaning Steam and Valve. Proton dropped seven weeks ago in terms of in beta and it brought with it the promise of glory that all of us who love games have scarcely dared to dream in terms of Linux ever seeing realized. That we, the Linux users, who make up less than and I, my I I just before uh, starting to record this, um, I fact checked this and it says one point five percent. We are as of twenty eighteen via Steam less than point five. Two percent of the computing gaming market in terms of via Steam. That's Linux. That's us. Anyway, Proton meant that we would finally be able to real to play the latest games that we and our non-Linux friends want to play, and to do so without having to wait between one to five unto infinity, potentially years to enjoy the the fucking first class citizen privilege of being able to do so alongside of, like, perhaps our lesser operating system using friends. So, you know, Windows, 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 Windows. Um, in short, we finally would be on equal footing with the other lesser operating systems and platforms when it comes to release, the release of major titles uh, at their street date. Not surprisingly, this massive upheaval, Proton is a massive upheaval. It's a complete... I mean, we barely have wrapped our minds around it. It took me two weeks to really fully let it sink in um it's so it's not surprising that you know, it's a major disruption uh and it's uh it's caused upheaval across the industry unexpected ripples across the surface and fissures of the myriad personalities that actually comprise our community um people have reacted to it in a, in a very surprising um variety of different ways 
Um, and that's what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about Proton and later we're, we'll talk about DeNovo. But uh, some post-Proton have, have embraced the development as the ultimate fuck you surprise death blow uh, delivered directly by Steam to the endless huge co-caliber AAA devs and publishers who over the last four years have resisted uh, Steam's relationship with Linux and any attempt to um, influence and coerce them into fully really getting on board with helping us, you know, like acknowledging us as as a real part of Steam's user base. And now, thanks to Valve and Steam flexing their market leverage muscle from a much larger user base than our own, the current, I think the last, uh, 2018, the uh, number of active and uh, registered, whatever, uh, Steam user accounts um, is, in the, is somewhere around 120 million, of which we make up less than 0.52% of that number. But that is a huge market leverage. It's always been... That's why we started this podcast four years ago when Steam said we're throwing our money behind Linux. You should go back and listen to that Gabe Newell um, speech. It's a long one. It's about 45 minutes. It's worth listening to. It's what made us start this podcast in the first place Um, because it meant that Linux would now have, from a game perspective, money behind it. Even though it wouldn't have that many users, it, it Steam and Valve were about to leverage on behalf of Linux and its users the entire power of the open source community and throw its own um, market capitalization, its own market clout behind us. Not specifically for us, necessarily, but definitely not in spite of us, um, because the free and open, free and open source software revolution, evolution, and idiosphere mindset and uh, philosophy is exactly in line with what Gabe Newell saw the future of gaming becoming. Meaning that you know we all create content, and that rising tides lift all boats, so we get better products when uh, instead of developing just a single game, if you approach the development of that game as a platform upon which the end users can then easily interact, improve upon, modify, um, and then all all of that, integrate that with a social networking kind of thing, so you, you can remember your friends and stuff and meet new people and discuss ideas and, and shit, and all of this comes together uh, through Steam via the Steam client, which was the biggest deal. Uh, about and, and that is completely in line with the entire free and open source software mindset. So, ultimately, what Proton... Well, we'll come back to Proton. Proton means that no developers need... This is like a death blow to every excuse. It's instantaneously nullified every single predominant excuse for not supporting Linux. And this goes across all developers, AAA to independents. Um, some of their some of the reasons for not supporting Linux in terms of individual titles um, are good ones. But none of them matter anymore because Proton means developers no longer need to segregate their release schedules for a single title into a front list, meaning a Windows Street date, 
along with, you know, like a console, Windows and console street date. And then another street date for the release of the port of the same title, which is generally never scheduled. Um, it's And if it is scheduled, or if it happens, it occurs months to years after the original street date, uh, so that one, because they're, they're going to put it on sale if it's going to come out two years later, but two, they don't want to dilute the market for, and there's other factors as well, for their actual street date, when they can have another street date that'll give them a much bigger boost two years later when they drop the price in half and then offer it for Linux or Macintosh or whatever platforms have yet to actually get the game. Which results in another big boost because all of everyone who's played it and it's been game of the year, two years in a row, game of the century or whatever, and the viral um, aspect of the game's popularity, if it's good, or maybe just the fucking prone found marketing that you put into it if it's bad, um, has really taken effect and everyone knows about the game everyone wants to play the game and now it's half off, so fine, now we'll release it two years later when it's basically maybe only 70% irrelevant uh, and then we'll make it available to users who are who are running Linux they don't need to do that anymore <laughs> um, I'm sorry my, my allergies are acting up so anyway, why don't they need to do that? Because Proton means largely eliminating the necessity for maintaining duplicate code bases as well. One for the principal, you know, that would be the Windows release, and another for, you know, the Linux release, which also means that companies, large and small, publishers and de- developers, uh, they won't have to hire or periodically contract out for um, a support staff to push updates and maintain the game's online features in perpetuity for Linux specifically. Um... That means that the bugs that get fixed in the Windows version will get fixed in the Linux version. There is because there is no Linux version. There's a Proton version, which is the same as the Windows version because they don't have to deal with that. It also eliminates the necessity for endless legal, fiscal, and contractual wrangling to forge uh, sub-licensure agreements, like with uh, companies specializing in porting games to Linux. You know, from uh, major AAA. Uh, Developers like you know, of course, the obvious name here is my much beloved Feral Interactive. I love you, Feral Interactive. Please call me, call me soon. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing your underwear. Oh, you're so pretty when you sleep, Feral Interactive. I love you. Anyway, in short, no developer, or publisher, great or small, you make any additional investment beyond the, their ordinary budgets as scheduled for a fucking Windows release. This finally brings their release schedules in sync between delivery to all PC platforms and operating systems, and they don't even need to lift a fucking finger, because Steam via Proton is doing it for them. And it gets better, because Steam and Proton have brought these haughty monopolies, these fucking huge co multinational companies who have been resistant, and for perfectly market rational reasons, have been resistant and willfully ignorant that, like, Linux is anything on Steam and, it, you know, blah. We, Steam, via Proton, has brought these motherfuckers to their knees because now they will appease the desires of we, the Linux few, whether they like it or not, with Steam being the entity in control of the compatibility layer, which is Proton. As usual, I'm in the minority in this perspective. I was surprised to discover this over the last... Uh, two weeks to, you know, maybe two and a half weeks. vast majority of my technically capable uh, veteran Linux using game friends and associates I know and have talked with since Proton has been released in beta. And remember, it's still only in beta, uh, aka this show's fucking entire listener base. Um, 
generally are pro-proton. But I would say that better than half of them, at least, have expressed reservations, be it that's moral and ethical, and against the principles of the FOSS to play to play any Steam game that is not already a native port of a game specifically refactored for Linux itself. And I disagree with that assertion for numerous reasons. And we're going to revisit all of this stuff endlessly. This is a long fucking speech. I don't know if any of it makes sense in the aggregate, but I spent more time writing this fucking speech than I have on any of the major sale episodes that that we've done over the last four years. And some of those sale episodes, I spent fucking 40 hours doing the notes for. I don't write, I don't script out the show week per week, ever. I've never done this. This is the first time. I thought four years, there's all this controversy uh, swirling. And for once, it's not just controversy external to the actual Linux user base. It's not external to... um you know, members of our community. Uh, it's not people who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. There's a lot of controversy within our own community over this major upheaval, which is par for the course. Um, but there's been nothing like this kind of... I don't even think the community itself has had the aha moment that I did, which took me two weeks post-Proton to really fucking absorb. So anyway... Many people, you know, they want a native port of the game specifically refracted for Linux. And I disagree with that assertion considering damn near everything now, everything on Linux, runs in some form of virtualization. This is what we do as, you know, as, as agents of the free and open source software movement. I mean, it's fundamental to the idiosphere. Uh, you know, from Docker, Flatpak, Snaps, to Wine prefixes, very nature of fucking modern Linux itself. Think about this. We solve problems. We invent wrappers. We import libraries. If we can't import them, then we write them from scratch. Um, we invent compatibility APIs. We break formats. We circumvent formats. We destroy, abhor, and are, are absolutely... Uh, stand up as antithetical, not just in position, but in practice to any sort of vendor lock-in, any sort of format lock-in, any sort of limitation intentionally of functionality for software that we pay for. Um, we believe in, we believe in the Stallman. I am a hardcore free and open source software fucking motherfucker motherfuckers, just because I play the perfectly reasonable, rational, personable, conversational, erudite, charming, lovable, um, hilarious, and absolutely sexiest man on internet radio um, that you have beheld every week. I am a fucking evangelist for the FOSS, and I go back 20 fucking years with it. 15 of which... I've spent actually knowing what the fuck the FOSS means. So anyway, we do this. If we can't reverse engineer from scratch and release its workalike as FOSS, then we'll wrapperize it, containerize it, virtualize it. Hell, your terminal session itself is a virtualization of a literal serial teletype terminal from the 1960s. That's what the fucking port again shell, and you're all something in corn shell, geez, blah, blah. That is what it is, it's an emulator. It's a t- <laughs> 
It has ships with every Linux distribution, and it has since fucking Torvalds released the kernel fucking a thousand years ago. Well, 20 years ago. Oh, 21 years. Oh, God, I'm getting old. Anyway, so just as modern technology has led to the collapsing of lower-level languages into higher-level, though only marginally less performant, human-readable code bases, which has expanded subsequently the pool of uh, available programmers because it's so easy to use and it's easier to document, and then we have the internet and everything and the free and open-source software movement, which has gotten so many people into Python. Um, just as that has occurred, a similar thing has happened with virtualization and rapperization, which is a, a term... a Coin I have termed. A term I am coining right now. Welcome to my neologistic universe, my friends. You are all my hostages. Let's have some more whiskey. Hey, Ivor. Um, it's happened, and so, and I think it's happened in such a way that people don't even realize how much of everything inside of Linux itself is emulated in some way. In fact, that's all computering. Computering? Oh, God, we better drink this whiskey really fast. Mm. Mm. That's what computational science is. It's the representation and manipula manipulation of abstract data points in structured ways such that they make sense. It's fundamental. It's always been fundamental. Virtualization meaning. So... Because of these facts, and, you know, blah, I am less of a nativist than most of um, my friends. And it's crazy to say that because these are people who I know and who I respect and who know what the fuck they're talking about. There's been a real clash of legitimate disagreement over this, and I am unused to seeing that among my friends. Now, of course, there are, you know, tons of people who are in complete agreement with me, complete disagreement with me, um, and, you know, they fall along, all along the various, you know, degrees of familiarity and technical sophistication of the user spectrum system administration perspective, software development perspective, um, and, you know, blah, 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 and in terms of historical context that they have in which to judge you know, the present moment, I personally go back to 1997. So, um, it's unusual, though, for me to see this kind of disagreement over stuff like this. So, I'm, I'm less of a nativist these days than I have ever have been. And this show is founded on that principle, that we would not review games that were only available for Windows. Our coverage, in fact, in the, in the podcast, over the last year alone, has reflected these changes in terms of virtualization creeping in as wine became more and more stable, which I go back with wine to when wine first was like a fucking like it was brand fucking new, nothing worked and it was impossible, and it remained that way up until uh, recent history, relatively recent history anyway, so um, as wine became more and more stable, predictable, well documented and uh, generally repeatable without too much hysterical darkness and aleatory pain for your average user, um, I began to nibble around the edges of covering games that were only available through wine in, in increasingly serious ways. Devoted, at least devoting more airtime to it. Well, at least to games with a... At least two really good games that still violated our core principle, meaning that they did not have a solid official Linux port available for Steam. 
Another argument against Proton that I've heard over the last six to seven weeks comes from an oddly emotionally driven faction of users who are somehow squeamishly ill at ease over suddenly being asked to give up that very same long-held conviction that purchasing Steam games from developers who have not yet ported their games to native Linux versions will somehow dis somehow disincentivizes these developers and publishers um, all shapes and sizes and stripes from ever fully supporting Linux. We'll get back to that, but basically they believe that by giving their money to developers and publishers who have yet to port their games to us, they are having an overall deleterious and damaging effect on the greater market and its and its future potential. Um, and so, it, and I'm not here to tell you what what the fuck's going to happen. We've never seen a rebalancing like what Proton is is has done in one day. Forget the last six to seven weeks. So I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future, but I I I will offer some predictions. I mean, it's hard to predict where something this drastic is going to go. Um, especially in terms of video games, it's it's difficult to tell where it's going to lead us over time. But I can say, with a high degree of certainty, that we went in one day. Now these are fast and loose numbers here, because you know, blah. <coughs> but they are ballpark accurate, and I did look them up that the day that Proton went to beta inside of the Steam client and they pushed it to Linux users seven weeks ago, we went from 5,000 titles currently available to play on Linux via Steam to around 22,000 titles in one day. That is four times more games for every single game that there was a Linux installable um you could buy it on the Steam Marketplace and install it on Linux, quote-unquote, natively. And I don't believe in that natively, by the way. I mean, remember The Witcher? Remember Witcher 2? They all run on wine wrappers, you know? It's all it's all wrapperization. Anyway, so to my mind, the confusion here is based almost entirely being capable of distinguishing between business logic, free and open source software, and, you know, the, the Stallman tenants, tenants thereof, and, and entertainment as free and open source software, meaning i.e. video games, etc. The bottom line is that people seem to be missing is that both desired futures and outcomes between Proton uh, between those who support Proton as well as those who are total gaming nativists who require a native port available those two futures are actually the exact same thing. For instance, if I told you that in two to five years, every major game that's published for the PC market on Steam will run on Linux, will be released concurrently with the Windows version, will require no special technical knowledge or technical configuration beyond the capabilities of an average user on any other system, um, will be entirely legal, so no piracy or cracking or other circumventions or hacking or whatever required, and it'll be available to buy through an easy-to-use, mostly unified marketplace client with all the conveniences of one-click purchasing and one-click install. It, you won't have to enter your fucking credit card information across all hundreds of different, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it'll be, it, it, you know, it'll all be there, one fucking client. Um, and it'll run with cross-platform compatibility for its online features and will be as performant on Linux as it is anywhere else. 
you know, within like a margin of error, we'll say 5%, maybe 8%. What would you say to that? You would say, yes, please, God fucking yes, obviously. I mean, you're listening to this fucking show. That is not just the future, but that is basically the present with Proton. You could say this, you can't say the same thing if you cling to the nativist perspective where you want to punish developers and publishers who have not who are not forthcoming with Linux ports of their games. So one my biggest issue, however, with those who reject this advancement, meaning Proton, is probably best presented in the form of a direct appeal. So to those who refuse to play the latest video games from their favorite franchises on their preferred operating system because they fear that it encourages the major developers to continue to ignore our less than 0.52% share of the computing gaming market. Valve and Steam realized this well, realized this war was not being won long before two years ago. Which is why for the previous two years they have spent a lot of money quietly subsidizing the Wine project itself. Wine is not a Windows emulator. Wine's been around for a long time. But let's think about what I just said. Yes, (laughs) Valve has been one of the major underwriters of the Wine project for the last 18 months or more. They've done it quietly. And yes, Proton itself is actually a secret fork of wine and it's and all of wine's work to bring a cross compatibility solution to Linux so we can run Windows games and applications without having to set them set up and maintain all the cumbersome overhead of virtual machines or uh, really um, overkill containerization unless absolutely necessary clunky performance draining half measures that don't work as as well as Wine does. Of course, wine is complicated. As for those listeners who are within the sound of my earshot, who are militant against code that violates free and open source software principles, meaning, I'll enumerate them here now, freely redistributable, meaning, freely redistributable, the, code, the source code itself is auditable, modifiable, and is available to all. And you can modify it and fork it and make copies of it. And people can study those copies and modify those and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, for the for people who, think, who, who uh, are milling against code of IE, alongside everything else that they've been working on with Proton, Steam has done the unthinkable. Well, it's not the unthinkable. It's like the actually moral and ethical thing by and not many people know this Steam and Valve have re, have released their work product which was done in secret for Proton and Proton itself yes you know was developed over the last you know two years as a secret fork of wine that integrated directly with uh, the Steam uh, client 
So they kept it secret. But what people don't, many people that I've talked to do not realize is that now that it's out in beta, Steam has released Proton back into the free and open source software Idiosphere. It's available on GitHub. They released their work product, pure self-compiling source code, FOSS on GitHub. You can download, you can clone it, you can modify it, you can fork, you can contribute to it. Um, and that's also where Valve uh, keeps its support tickets for Proton and its issue queue and all of its branches, and they're all available right there on GitHub. Um, and so you can download, you, you can contribute to Proton too, through that way. Um, and of course, Valve obviously has spent the money to fund a team in perpetuity, at least currently, uh, devoted to the development of Proton just in general in terms of the way it works with uh, Steam. But that's the same code base. The one that's on GitHub is the same code base that they use inside of the beta of Proton inside of Steam. Pretty sure. So finally, Steam released the integrated beta of their work on integrating Wine directly, and that was the whole idea of Proton, which is such a brilliant fucking idea, it's almost difficult to wrap your mind around it. Because all Steam did was after like two years uh, since having adopted Linux, they and exerting all this pressure in all these different ways and all these meetings, all these talks, and rolling out all these products and hardware peripherals and doing relatively great with you know most of it in terms of market success hasn't hurt their business any um i, I mean i'm uh, i'm sorry my mind i'm i'm losing my mind here a little bit but it's been a long couple of days of a lot of typing but anyway the whole idea was that they would that they, they, they were going to do the simplest and most obvious thing but they were going to do it in secret the same way that like a year ago, so three years into Best Links Games podcast, I started getting antsy about not getting access to any of the latest titles when they came out or even remotely resembling contemporaneous to when they came out. It'd be six months, it'd be a year, it'd be two years, it'd be five years or infinity, which I'm used to because I go back 20 years ago. I remember when nothing worked in this fucking <laughs> insane odyssey down the rabbit hole. And so, in secret, they're like, you know what? We're going to, first of all, we're going to prop up wine. We're going to start pumping money into wine. Money, resources, what you know, stuff like that. We're going to leave wine as the free and open source project that it is. We're not going to, you know, buy it and copyright it. We're not going to clone it and then copyright it. No, because the Linux users would go fucking insane and we would be outed as being antithetical to the free and open source software movement and would also look like dicks to basically everyone who had half a brain in their technical head. So while they do that, they put together a work group in a secret skunk works to directly integrate wine into Steam. That's all Proton is. It's a free open source software Return back to the community too. Now that it's no longer a secret, um, this conforms in every way to FOSS convention, especially putting the project on GitHub and managing all their shit through GitHub. Very fucking rad. Truly, it's, it was as if Steam, with the release of Proton, is set up set up us the bomb. 
to the PC game industry at large. It's like not just like a warning shot across the bow. It is like no chance to survive. Make your time. Um, and the exploding fireworks read, you've joined Linux, mother suckers. No chance to survive. Make your fucking time. Move every zig for great justice. You have no choice. Because with Proton, Steam stepped up and did what neither Wine, nor Flatpak, nor Piracy, nor GoodOldGames.com, nor every fucking Linux user who's ever lived and died in history, um, nor Humble Bundle, nor Feral Interactive, nor Canonical, nor any user community could ever hope to accomplish. Instead of continuing to wait and watch as as Steam Market's collective 120 million plus users benefited while it's 0.52% of Linux users languished in frustration, obscurity, and dreams deferred, Steam switched the flip on the entire game industry. They were like, if Mohammed won't go to the mountain... And we're going to have to drop the entire motherfucking mountain on Mohammed. And we're going to drop it again. And again. And again. And who gives a fuck how angry it makes him. Uh, To me, Proton has been a profoundly needed demonstration of Steam's continued good faith support for the Linux community. And they have not been good at expressing that traditionally over the last four years. We are an ornery bunch of temperamental assholes, generally. Um... So, now to the Holy War. This is opened within, you know, the fissures and divisions, which, you know, by the way, I have no problem with people having their own opinions. I am not saying this to yell at you or say that you are an idiot or anything. Um, I'm telling you this is what I see happening, and I am not the stupidest person on the fucking block, um, especially in terms of this stuff. I've been covering it, I've been using it for 20 fucking years um, and I've been covering it for four every goddamn week and so 209 episodes in I like this show as always to be kind of uh, you know the new and noteworthy and the reviews and a little bit of um, humor and cultural shifts and uh, technological advancements I like this to be you know kind of a running record of uh, the way the game industry and Steam, the way the game industry and Linux are interacting, because I think it's one of the biggest things that has ever happened. One of the biggest and most important things for the future of Linux that's happened um, maybe since Mozilla, maybe since um, fuck 18, it's it's going and it's going to be more impactful than I think that than anyone else is thinking. So anyway, so this holy war. I understand the feelings of disloyalty among many of us. I share them. Uh, in fact, in most regards, I'm talking about like you know, uh, you kind of feel. I, well, I don't actually feel this way, but I can understand other people feeling this way. It, uh, maybe a little bit of icky residue in the back of your mind as you boot up a game under Proton that you paid for. No Linux. No native, quote unquote, Linux port. Feel a little, little icky. I don't feel that way. I feel that way whenever I have to. Well, I used to feel this way whenever I would buy, I would see a game available on Steam for Windows that had not been available um, for any platform other than a console, particularly classic games that I like, like Bayonetta or whatever. And I would buy the game 
always meaning I have one computer capable of running some games here that runs Microsoft Windows. It's my studio computer, not the computer that I'm recording this on, um, but it's the one where I actually, last music production machine that I have, um, and it runs Windows 10. <clears throat> Every time I buy one of these games, and I, I've bought many of them over the last two years, two and a half years, um, intending to, you know, oh, well, great, now that I have a license for it, that's cool, I'll install it on the Windows machine and run it, or maybe try to run it uh, in a Wine prefix with uh, Steam running inside of it. Um, and almost without fail, to the exclusion of the Pinball Arcade, which now just doesn't work at all for me, which pisses me off, um, I've been unable to bring myself for any of these games that I bought the licenses for that only ran on Windows to go back into that studio machine, in that studio, sit down at the studio machine that runs Windows, open Steam, install the game, and play the game for longer than five fucking minutes. Over the last two years, plus, I can confidently tell you that I have spent, with the exception of virtual reality, when I got the HTC Vive and it didn't run for several years under Linux, um, with the exception of all virtual reality games that I had to play on that machine, I can tell you that over the last four years I've spent easily under two and a half hours playing Windows games on a Windows machine because it makes, it just, I just can't do it. Now I don't have to worry about that because most of them run under Proton. So, Anyway, I'm not letting this disruption cloud my own reasons. You know, Proton is a big rebalancing. I haven't let it disrupt my own reason, my ability to reason with emotion. Instead, I see this. One, I like to pay for good games. Two, games are not free and open source software because they are not business logic and are therefore works of art. They are non-essential. Free and open source software is all about fucking avoiding vendor lock-in, software as a service, um, monopolization, unresponsive mega corporations who refuse to modify, update, maintain, um, but instead uh, barely do any work developing their own concepts and then every, you know, three fiscal quarters charge you, another the company who is now completely and hopelessly vendor locked in and absolutely reliant on uh, the, the business logic and the functionality that it that, that said uh, proprietary software grants you you are now obligated to forever be ransomed to them for whatever price they pay for, no matter how shitty or shittier or even still shittier the product that they turn out for you to buy is that is what vendor lock-in is. That is what Windows is. And uh, that's why free and open source software matters. You need access, fundamental access to basically every functionality that you could possibly desire from a computer because Linux is a general computing platform for Christ's sake. It's why we are awesome. It's also why the FOSS is awesome. But that does not extend to video games. Video games are entertainment. I mean, for me, they are uh, they are a necessity. Everyone has their own hierarchy of needs in this regard. But I would really, really challenge 
any sane human being in good faith to argue, to, to take the counter-argument against me that the FOSS, um, the tenets of the FOSS, the basic moral and ethical principles that underwrite and are the foundation of uh, computational experimentation for the, in this country for the last 50 fucking years and have resulted in Linux, I, I would challenge... I would really, 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 it would defy reason to encounter someone who would take me up and debate the opposite perspective that video games are part of free and open source software. Video games are fucking outrageously expensive. They're also outrageously profitable. Um, In 10 years, if humanity still survives, I imagine that we will have developed huge stacks of very easy-to-use free and open source software um, in terms of IDES and um, we, we've already seen this with Stencil and uh, Unity uh, even though it's still only in beta it's I've made games in Unity um, and it's free um, but we'll get more and more tools like that that offer more and more sophistication such that you won't even really need to code anymore um, to make games and then modern material uh, technologies in terms of like from a software stack perspective will get simpler, easier from from a software they'll get all bundled up into easier and easier and easier and more intuitive to you, you'll be able to make a fucking game on, you know, your fucking Android phone, iPhone, whatever, on your phone you'll be able to make a game, publish it to the world and make a million dollars, and that's when using free and open source software or some co-opted version thereof, that's 10 years away on the short side so until we can like actually control every aspect of the means of production and democratize them to uh, end users who ref- who cover all not just levels of sophistication in terms of what they want from games, but in terms of narrative, in terms of character design, in terms of animation, in terms of textures, materials, lighting, effects, um, actual three D modeling. Uh, modeling based off of primitives, doing poly by poly, shape masking the animations for, you know, responsive, believable character uh, facial um, animations, which of which uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is by far has more per capita of the best, um, most expressive, believable uh, CGI facially that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, just from a pure acting perspective, it is magnificent. I don't know if they did it with uh, mocap uh, and like maybe paint to capture all of these subtle things, or if they actually just did straight up CGI with uh, masking. But uh, anyway, so games are not FOSS. I, ref- I I cannot accept that they are FOSS. They, it's like saying that the Republicans and the Democrats are both the same party in America because both have done evil in the past. No, there is no comparison, at least in the present moment, there is no comparison between the two parties. That is like saying the sun and the moon are identical because they both, we can see them both in the sky. I There is no functional equivalency between them. And that's how I feel about my impassioned evangelism over the free and open source software movement but how I don't necessarily share those same the same depth or profundity of conviction when it comes to video games. For three and a half years I did in terms of this podcast by virtue of the fact that I thought that it was 
essential to back publishers who published games for Linux because that would make more publishers. But but that didn't work. And so anyway, waiting for years for ports of games which none of your friends are playing anymore, meaning empty server lists, empty chat rooms, empty worlds, empty games, their empty universes is not uh, to borrow a phrase from Chris Fisher from Jupiter Broadcasting. That is not being treated as a first class citizen, just like everybody else. Everyone is a first class citizen. Not except for anyone. Not except for Linux users. Uh, maybe for Macintosh users, because that's their choice. No, I'm just kidding. First class citizen. So, four, refusing to accept games playable via Proton, especially latest titles, especially the latest, hottest releases, makes no sense to me unless you either lack the hardware or, you know, don't run them. Like, you know, you need a new video card or you don't have the, the discretionary budget to buy and play the latest AAA title um, when it drops. So you're waiting for a sale. That's okay. That makes sense. You know, money is money. But if you have the money and you love the franchise and the game is brand new and it runs on Proton, it does not, it defies fucking common sense to refuse to pay for that game even though it runs great under Proton and runs generally as well as it would with a native port, if not better. So, five, yes, not all Windows games work equally well under Proton, and many of them have individual issues, but, but these are small trade-offs when one considers the horrendous complexity and imposition and having to manage every intricacy and configuration detail of a handmade wine prefix would entail. It's almost, it's, it's literally a month um, to really teach someone how to fucking do it right, and even then, it's always changing, and it is really complicated. Um... I'm serious. It is really complicated and it's Byzantine and it's not um, super well documented and uh, it's really hard and it requires a lot of time and effort just to fail enough. It's, you might, I mean, seriously, you know, running games via wine, you know, even if you're running crossover Linux, you know, anyway, it's, it's a fucking complicated process, which is why we don't cover it. Um, why we always try to avoid covering wine games in the podcast. It also meant that uh, the end user, if I reviewed a game that was only playable via wine, that would open us, if I I posted a full review of it, that would open the podcast and my critical reputation to lots of erroneous scrutiny and lots of fucking messages and mail and technical details that I would have to reply to from end users and listeners who didn't get the configuration right or who or for whom the configuration instructions, if I even gave them to them, uh, might not actually just run on their system for one reason or another, none of which that I'm capable of, you know, blah. So, anyway. Also, when Proton does work, as it frequently does, it is frequently as, if not more, performant than even a full port of the game would be. Case in point, Farrell's recent, unquestionably brilliant port of the 2013, or not recent, of the 2013 Tomb Raider, the reboot, 2013, which came out for Linux in 2015, it's almost flawless, except for two near-game-breaking camera bugs, in which during two critical action set pieces, the camera may or may not suddenly become inverted, showing instead of the action currently at hand, like in the in the actual environment, um, it will instead show a pseudo-declipped inverse tracking of the camera's movements 
as depicted from a camera buried behind the face of a mountain. So, no game, or even any port of any game, or any game to begin with, is ever free from imperfections. Um, the same is true of any port, and the same is true of Proton, and especially because Proton is in beta. 7. Proton is in beta, and it's already allowed me, me alone, in 7 weeks, to play previously unthought, undreamed of games from my Linux wish list. Some of them are old, many of them are new, some of them are in, are in that, uh, you know, last three fiscal quarters kind of range. We're talking about games like Bayonetta, which was huge for me. Because I don't have a console anymore. And I'm not going to run it on Windows. And it runs great via Proton. Check out the live stream. Um, and that game is... I have a deep, I have deep emotional attachments and a long personal history with that game that is sentimental... Both not only sentimental, but critical in nature. That game changed a lot of things. But also, Hitman Contracts, Cuphead, Wreckfest, Doom, the 2016 version of Doom, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, No Man's Sky, which is so much better than everyone uh, gives it credit for because they all think that it's the same old No Man's Sky and they don't realize that they pushed out the next thing. And then this week they pushed out um, the Abyss, which is crazy. It adds a lot of stuff to it. Um, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the only good Grand Theft Auto game in the entire franchise is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That was where they hit the absolute zenith, the pinnacle, the high watermark for everything that they could do with the sandbox paradigm. Every subsequent game post-GTA SA was an intentional whittling down and reversal away from that endless uh, super ultimate experience of maintaining the illusion of free will because that just made them anyway, never mind, it does not matter I can now play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on my Linux box, all this runs on my Linux box via Proton with no configurations Crisis 2, which I haven't played in four years, and it runs perfectly. Near Automata, which uh, some of my, uh, some of the uh, recent crowd of listeners had problems with and also didn't like, but I still think it's really cool. It's a little difficult. Uh, around 20 hours gets a little hard. Um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, game we were just talking about, which, by the way, marked a moment that was historic. Not just for this podcast, but in the, you know, four years-ish since Steam and Valve adopted Linux, Shadow of the Tomb Raider worked out of the box on Linux. It didn't work that well, but it, it worked. It ran. The exact same moment that it worked on Windows on their street date. That No other game, no other brand new quote-unquote, triple-A title ever since Steam and Linux have been around has been available on Steam for Linux the exact same time that it went available for Windows. And by the way, even though that day it uh, it ran kind of shittily, um, you didn't have to, like, you didn't have to, like, rewrite configuration files or, like, import libraries or, um, you know, manage the wine prefix in which it ran. Um, it's all in-game configuration tweaks, which, by the way, 
are all known now. And once you get them, once you get it set up, it's just like, you know, 30 different things you have to set in all these fucking in-game, you know, display properties, things. Um, once you get them all set up, it takes three minutes if you just like work out a text. If you look at, if you look at uh, the discussion thread, um, it runs flawlessly. By flawlessly, I mean it runs 93% perfect. 93% of the time, it's absolutely perfect. And there, there's not a single game-breaking bug in the Proton version of it. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's allowing me to play all this shit. Uh, Dragon Age Origins, which I haven't played since it was on a console. Uh, Tekken 7, Monster Hunter World, Sid Meier's Pirates, which I haven't played since I fucking left right covering games for the paper. That was my last fucking game review. And many, 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 many others. Both new, old, and many, 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 many more to come. Eight, as mentioned, not every game works, especially the very old or the very newest or the new. But with Steam, you could simply return the game if it fails to run on your system. And fuck that. You can return it even if you simply don't like the game, regardless of how performant it is. I have yet to experience a Steam Steam store return that has been refused, and over the last six to eight weeks, I have returned dozens and dozens and dozens of games for full refunds. Um, Nine, instead of an insignificant, tiny ant ant fart of a sliver of the market requiring Steam and Valve to leverage and bully the major devs and publishers to play ball and authorize Linux ports years after the games themselves have become old news, Proton provides a sane and sober and relatively trustworthy state and slash stable set of guidelines and tech against which non-Linux game devs all sizes, all shapes, AAA to indie, um, can develop against all with nearly no extra work. I mean literally no extra work. Um, and especially without requiring the months necessary to refactor tests and port over a code base that 97% of the market is already pleased with, all for the benefit of less than us, all for the benefit of less than fucking half a percentage of uh, a minority player in the market, us Linux users. Ten, players misguidedly citing moral or ethical objections to buying games which have DRM built in, yet who incongruously entire... who, who yet who are incongruously entirely comfortable having spent years purchasing games through Steam, be they native Linux ports, obviously that would be, the, or otherwise, <coughs> they've been comfortable with that in spite of the fact that fucking Steam itself is actually a form of digital rights management, need to wake the fuck up and either seriously look, listen, and read up on Richard Stallman, Linus Torvalds, the history of the operating system, and the history and ideology that has driven the FOSS revolution, or they need to stop pretending to know enough to represent its perspectives until they have done so. I'm not saying that if you feel this way, you're a moron. I am, however, encouraging you to objectively take a deep reflection on you know, the stance that you're taking and how it how it interrelates. It does not it does not jive. Let me put you that way. It makes no sense. I'm not saying that everyone needs to always be exactly right on every detail and nuance of everything all the time. And I'm not trying to be some fucking moral fucking hammer. But everyone else, not everyone else, but many people that I've talked to have like these fucking fire and brimstone moral hammer kind of reactions to this stuff. And it's like they don't even see that it's any of the benefit, or even any attempt to benefit them, which is what like Proton actually is, it's like the best gift ever given to 
the Linux gaming community. Um, but honestly, if you know so little about what the free and open source software revolution actually is and means in its history, and you can't distinguish Steam itself as being antithetical to the basic tenets of FOSS, meaning that no software is a service, meaning that you own your binaries, you own a copy of the game. It's a physical copy or a digital copy, but you own that copy, and you can move it to whatever system you want without being tethered to anything else. Um, that is fundamental to free and open source software. That's, you know, I think it's the second one, you know, freely redistributable. Um, if you can't understand that, if you can't see that, if you can't make that distinction, um, and yet you've been fucking playing Steam games on Linux all this time, and yet you, and, and yet you rise in, you know, irate, irate anger um, with objections over a proton, you're either really confused, misinformed, or experiencing a crisis of irreconcilable conflicts inside your head between the actual core tenets of FOSS and the way that you would like them to work versus actual factual reality and the way in which the rest of us, you know, believe in the FOSS. Because um, you can't argue against one and not the other. You can argue against both, but you can't argue against one and not the other. You can't argue against Proton, but still say, oh yeah, but I love playing Linux games on Steam. That makes no fucking sense. And finally, 11. Users who have expressed some combination of the above complaints and reservations, yet they go on to cite their own devotion and support to technologies like Lutris, Wine, Crossover, Play on Linux, or some other third-party configurator, installer, wrapper, launcher, whatever, without realizing that all of these very fucking products are essentially the same thing as Proton itself, only Proton is fucking silent and requires no configuration. Um, just with the added step of having a manager launcher launch another manager launcher, if you can't fucking understand that, then you're insane. I mean, you know, and or maybe it just never occurred to people that, you know, blog. That's what Proton is. So, like, I don't know, I've, I've gone into discussions with people who've been like, oh, I can't stand Proton, but I love Lutris. It's like, what do you think Proton is? Lutris launches fucking Steam in a wine prefix after, you know, adding all the libraries and stuff. That is what exactly what Proton does, only it does it one click inside of Steam. So you have a problem with Proton, but no problem with Lutris. Okay. There is no difference between the two. I mean, Lutris allows any game, you know, that you can run on your system. And it's community maintained. But there is no difference. Um, we'll get into that in a moment. Technically, all these, except for Proton, are essentially community-maintained launcher install scripts that deploy pre-configured wine prefixes along with libraries necessary to accomplish the same fucking thing as Proton. And then, after it fires, it launches either a marketplace and a launcher from within that wine prefix, e.g. If, if, so for instance, if one were to buy Tekken 7 via Steam, not for Proton, um, then attempt to run it without having Steam beta and Proton enabled, by creating a hand-configured wine prefix using just straight up the straight-up command line. Um, and in that wine prefix, they install Steam with all the libraries and set up the Windows version and everything that is necessary, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then install Tekken through that wine prefix run install of Steam 
And then they run Tekken from that Steam instance that's running inside of that wipe. That is exactly what Proton does. That is also, at best, what Lutris does with uh, with certain games. Crossover does the same thing. Play on Linux does the same thing. They all do the same exact fucking thing. Proton happens to do it much better. So, just like Proton, all the above technologies are designed to help obviate and ameliorate the complexity of setting up Windows versions. Now, let's talk technical here. I'm just going to hit you with just a fucking blitzkrieg of bullshit that I, you know, stored up in my brain over the fucking many years of Wine and Linux. Um, configuring the necessary li- libraries for 32 versus 64-bit, making sure that they are compatible with the actual Windows version running inside the Wine prefix, configuring the instance such as the X input and, or direct input, uh, recognizes your controller and the actual input given from it in a somewhat standardized way, along with handling the horrendously confusing maze of 3D acceleration compatibility layers uh, that go from Linux to Windows and Windows to Linux, uh, you know, starting with DXVK, otherwise DXVK being the current uh, preeminent yet difficult to utilize from scratch without doing some research. Linux to DirectX shit, things get out of control in terms of complexity between DXVK, DirectX to Linux compatibility layer, DirectX, OpenGL, Vulkan, and etc. If one is configuring from scratch, it can be an absurdly difficult Byzantine mirror maze of complex configurations requiring numerous wine packages from wine tricks, along with specialized non-standard tweaks, settings, and cryptic settings, modifications, research, reading, and experimentation to get it all to work right. And frequently, there are a million ways to fuck it up, and only one way to get it to work right. It's like Edison with a light bulb. Oh, that's out the window with, with Proton now. Regardless, for whatever rational or entirely irrational motivation, some users fail to realize that Proton basically is all of the above. Requirements per game depending. You know, basically self-configures all of this shit. All of it. From within the Steam client. And requires, although it's only currently in beta, does require you to be able to use a mouse and click three checkboxes for most games to work out of the box. This, my friends, is progress. Simply put, Proton has ushered in a new era for Linux gaming. An era in which we get access to the same games, features, ease of use as any other computer user who has the same amount of hard-earned money to pony up for the same fucking video game. Yes, there are bugs. It's only in beta. And there are occasionally major problems for which there are no forthcoming solutions. We'll get to DeNovo and Soul Calibur 6 in a moment. We're almost done. Um, I know, I, well, we're gonna go an hour and a half. It's our fucking... It's a four-year anniversary episode, man. I spent so much time on this. I'm gonna try to read, try to read it to them. Uh, how dare you? You're fired. Um, and there are occasionally major prompts for which there are no forthcoming solutions immediately. But on the whole, I can't imagine a better, more elegant solution to break the stalemate between Steam and Linux's unheeded demands over the last four years. It's just totally ignored by AAA by most developers up and down short of simply buying the rights for all games that are sold on the Steam marketplace for non-Linux operating systems and then re-releasing them uh, as a SteamOS certified Linux version which would be a crazy disaster of untold and catastrophic proportions starting to bankrupt Steam and leave everyone just as unhappy and dissatisfied as if there had never been any Steam to Linux connection in the first place I cannot imagine a better solution 
oh, I can't imagine a better solution from a technical perspective. I can't imagine a better solution from a ethical perspective, from a moral perspective, from a marketplace perspective. Because we 0.52% under 1% of the computing gaming universe just got access to everything that everyone else has. I was going to wrap this all up with a uh, with three more pages uh, concerning DeNuvo. What it is, the common misconceptions, the rush to ascribe the Soul Calibur 6 problem to DeNovo in spite of no technical fucking basis in reality um, other than speculative supposition but I think that's enough I think that's enough for our fourth four year anniversary episode um, I'll uh It all basically wraps up with, and I'm, you know, maybe we'll cover it more next week. In fact, I'm positive that I will have to end up reading the rest of this script, the entire portion about DeNovo, um, sooner or later. The long and short of it is, I hate it more than anyone on the face of the planet does. It is fundamentally evil. It is not going anywhere. Our best hope to combat it is not going to come from the 0.52% of Linux users in the PC gaming world. It's not going to come from Windows users because they are either ignorant or unmotivated or they know but just do not give a fuck because, once again, we're dealing with Windows users here. Um, Or somewhere in between. It's not going to come from hardware manufacturers. It's certainly not going to come from anyone, any you know developer or publisher whose titles and major franchises, their front lists, uh, are exposed to in any way the console and PC market. Console people are not going to fucking care. Um, so who's going to care? Who's going to stop DeNovo? DeNovo. No one is. In fact, I see it growing more and more prevalent in spite of its mindless, inane, horrific, evil, insane waste of resources, time, uh, and the myriad, you know, fucking disasters that it will cause. Um, I see it growing more and more like a cancer prevalent across major triple-A caliber game releases um, for all all operating systems in terms of PC over the coming years. But, but, and here's a big but, um, the best ameliorating, the best hope for a force to rise and, and curb, if not kill, DeNuvo, is actually Steam itself. Steam has 120 million users. Steam cares about the end user's experience. So, at the very least, I imagine over the next weeks and months and years, um, Steam 
will exert pressure either publicly but more than likely uh, behind closed doors um, over its partners meaning the content providers for Steam such as Bandai which published uh, Soul Calibur 6 um, to get them to exert their own counterforces uh, on Denuvo such that shit like this doesn't happen again. For those of you who don't remember, who, for those of you who haven't heard, Soul Calibur 6 when launched on Proton on a, on a Linux box um, has no networking f- functionality um, as I mentioned last week. But evidently um, just by logging into the game, starting the game in Linux via Proton through Steam will silently and permanently ban you from uh, playing that, from playing Soul Calibur 6 uh, online, even on a Windows machine under the Steam same Steam account name. Which is a, obviously a big problem, but that's not a Denuvo problem. I don't think that's Denuvo. But anyway, I was going to go into a whole rant about that and then the future of Denuvo and why game developers love it in spite of the fact that it's ransomware for them, not for us, for them. But fuck it. Let's end on a high note, because, you know, blah. So, um, happy four-year anniversary. Yeah, so happy four-year anniversary ep- episode, everyone. Uh, Ivor, except for you, you're fired. You're off the team. Oh, wait, Ivor's holding up the whiskey silence. Have some more whiskey. Oh. So anyway, happy for your anniversary. Wow. Thanks so much to all of you for listening every week and or, and or watching on Twitch, the Twitch stream, the live stream, or jumping in on the Discord with us or hitting, you know, just thank you so much for getting us to four years, 209 episodes. Um email, voice chat, website, and otherwise, you know, blah. It's been a long slog of a rant to get through this week, I know. But it's a lot to detangle, and after all the conversations I've had with, you know, Linux users over the last two weeks specifically, I thought that there was no better time to finally put my foot down about all the the Proton haters, all the DeNovo complainers, whining for all the wrong reasons while ignoring the incontrovertible market realities and technical facts and actual underlying real legitimate evil. Um... And all the self-abusing masochistic nativist purists who refuse to accept the fact that Proton actually is the solution to the problem that all of us in the greater Steam-based Linux gaming community, um, it's a solution that to the problem that we've all had since since Steam adopted Linux for four years ago, since we started this podcast. And every and everyone in between, you know, on all of those spectrums. They're all interrelated, blah. And no matter what, wherever you may fall in that spectrum of discussion, philosophical outlook, personal moral code, your views, opinions, your perspectives, insights, comments, your contributions will always, always be greeted with a spirit of mutual respect, decorum, motherfuckers, dignity, bags of assholes everywhere, and the kind of staid, sober, dispassionate reason. Cocksucking motherfuckers! You throw whiskey at me, I throw whiskey at you, you duck-faced dick twats! Where's the weed? 
befitting such a vaunted form of intelligent discourse of the FOSS and computer science. You ignorant cockfags! You're fucking wrong! I burned your fucking village! You love Emacs so much? Why do you burn it out with it forever then, you hopeless, daggler, dickless, fuck thoughts? Die, 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 die! And of course, as ever, you are always welcome to join us here every weekend for another episode of the best Linux games podcast. Now with Proton TM. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us on the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash skookiesprite, S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. And our di- where you can also find uh, the link to our Discord. Join us there. Meet others of your kind. We're all mad here. Excelsior! Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farm. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.